Thank you, Benny, um, for sharing. In the kindness of the Lord, I resonate a lot with your story, um, in the hard and in the good. Um, and I'm excited to share that with you this morning. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really honored. And I'd like to go ahead and pray really quickly as well. Lord, um, help me <laughs> make your faithfulness known for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so I can't quite fully reflect on my four years at Covenant because I don't know that I remember them well enough to do that for you. And I hear some of you resonating with that, cool. Um, which it works out anyways because I have seen the most growth and the most transformation in this last year and so I'm just gonna focus my attention there. Um, so a little over a year ago in like December, I had a series of really hard conversations with a guy that I was dating at the time um, because he was up close and personal with my spiritual apathy. Um, he had done a really lovely job of pursuing the Lord and was encouraging me towards that and I was railing against it. And he would ask me questions like, Avery, what are you reading in scripture? And I would say, I'm not, I haven't been. And he would say, what is like a favorite characteristic of the Lord to reflect on? And I would give him an answer just for the sake of having an answer and not because I enjoyed talking about the Lord, not because I enjoyed meditating or because that was a practice of mine. Um, and there were multiple manifestations um, of this issue, but perhaps the most noticeable and the most embarrassing is that I was uh, three years into a youth internship at the time and I was discipling middle school and high school girls in a place of really severe spiritual apathy. And I was terrified to tell my bosses um, because I didn't want them to think less of me and I didn't want them to doubt my faith because I was already doing enough of that. And I didn't want them to remove me my, from my position in front of God and everybody and so I just, I didn't tell them. Um, P.S. they have since been made aware and they were so gracious and they were so helpful and they were so kind and loving of me. Um, but looking back on that time of my life now, I have a really hard time knowing how to conceive of myself because in the midst of all of that like really heavy darkness and that this apathy, um, like I was having a great time. Like I was having good days. I was in good relationships with people. I was in relationship with the Lord. I had moments and like pieces of spiritual closeness and spiritual clarity and those were the things that like sustained me in my walk with the Lord but it wasn't, even in that, like I had no desire to love the Lord or to want him any more than I did, which was essentially zero at that point. So when my friend called me out on all of that, like I was crushed, you know, it's like an identity crushing kind of moment. Um, and from that I retreated into several months of even deeper apathy where I was like, Lord, I don't even know how to want you, so I'm not going to try to pursue that. There's like no, there's no hope for me. Um, so I'm coming out of that, about this time last year. Um, it's really cool because I genuinely believe that the only reason I have seen any semblance of spiritual growth is because of Holy Spirit working in me. Um, but I got really fed up with myself and I called a friend's mom and I confessed to her all of my feelings and all of the shame that I had for being a Christian at a Christian college and not feeling it. And she was like, well, Avery, you have to show up in the small things. And I was like, want to do that. Small things being reading scripture and praying. Um, so I didn't and I waited um, and eventually when those things did start happening it wasn't magical for me and it, and it didn't feel transformative. Um, it honestly felt like a waste of time and if I'm going to be really really honest with you right now it still feels that way 
so many times. Spending time with the Lord feels like a waste of time, but in this grueling and this maddening monotony of spiritual discipline, I gradually, gradually realized, okay, Lord, I don't, I don't want you, but I want to want you. And when you're in a place of having nothing to do with the Lord in your heart, like that in itself is a huge testament of Holy Spirit working in you and that the Lord is being faithful to you and that he's transforming you into the image of the Son and he's not going to leave you where you are. That was a huge encouragement to my soul. And so just as I can't pinpoint that kind of transitioning from I don't want you to I want to want you, I also can't really pinpoint where I went from I want to want you to like, I have a desire for the Lord. Um, but if I had to like frame it, I would say it happened probably sometime over the summer when I was in an internship with One Hope Tulsa. Um, and at that point I had been praying and reading scripture diligently and doing that with good community because Tulsa is on about the Lord, they will get you some kind of way. Um, <laughs> and so, in that, even in that like really rich time of spiritual closeness, I was terrified because I was like, what if this is just me and my drive sustaining this? And then when I get really tired and when I get frustrated and when I realize that there's no like evidential change in me, I'm gonna just drop myself right back off in the land of apathy. I was really scared of that. So in light of those fears, like, it is so sweet to be able to stand here today in front of you and to tell you that the Lord is actually so faithful and that even in that, it's really hard to stand here today too because I don't know him like I want to and I recognize a need of him now more than I did then. Um, I think about, we have, it's really interesting, we have these beautiful biblical examples of people who were jacked up and we were whacked out, but they like loved the Lord, right? And they pursued him and they talk about this rich fullness of knowing him and experiencing him and belonging to him. And I read that and I want that. But I just, I just don't know the Lord like I want to. So my prayer is, my prayer has been this semester, Lord, I want you, I want your desires to be mine, I want to know your thoughts, I want to love your thoughts, I want to relate well to people because I know who you're, you are and I know your nature and so out of that I am compelled by the love of Christ and I don't have any other option in how to relate to people. Which is a good prayer, but it's a big prayer. And I don't feel that working out in me. My roommates probably don't feel that working out in me. So full honesty, like in preparing this testimony this weekend, everything that I wrote down, I am struggling to believe. Like I feel very spiritually oppressed right now. And I don't know that I know that I know these things. Um, and if you found me crying in a random spot on campus this weekend, you know that. Um, but it hasn't just been this weekend either. Like this weekend is especially tough. Um, but that's been a, like a theme for me kind of recently too. In general, it often feels as if I'm like speaking into the ether when I'm praying to the Lord and like maybe it'll get there um, if you like blow on it hard enough. <laughs> and so it's so hard to pray when you don't feel like you're being heard and when everything inside of you is railing against that belief I'm telling myself this just as much as I'm telling you this, we have to continue to pray and we have to ask for the grace to pray more 
Because prayer, if nothing else, it's pushing into my identity, into your identity, as one who is dearly beloved of God and created to be in perfect relationship with and communication with your Father. And it is a confession of need. And I know you guys know this, but it like trips me up and gets me some kind of way. So when Jesus sacrificed himself, he made that reconciling sacrifice on the cross for my sins and for your sins in our stead, the father turned his face away and he rejected his son. And now we stand redeemed so that we will never ever know what it is to be rejected by our father. He cannot take his presence from us, he cannot turn his face away from us, and he cannot stop his ears to our cries. My prayers are not bouncing off of the ceiling. Yours are not either. And I know this because the promises of God are yes and amen when everything feels contrary. We who belong to the Lord have Holy Spirit, who is fully God, with us at all times. So we are temples where heaven and earth meet, and we spend every moment of our lives in the presence of God Almighty, in the Holy of Holies. So you and I can get discouraged about the form and the content of our prayers, but Paul Miller has this really beautiful quote. He says, God listens to our sloppy, meandering prayers, and he delights in the adequacy of his son. It doesn't have anything to do with us. I can guarantee you that. So in continuing in this theme of it being difficult but necessary to show up for the small and the hard things, reading scripture is 100% a part of that. And if this is also hard for you, um, like it is for me, I would recommend go to the Gospels, go to John, um, because duh, the Gospels detail the life of Jesus, but over the summer I kind of feel like I began to understand the significance of that, because if I wanna know the heart of my father and if you wanna know the heart of your father, you go and you look at the life of his son. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the full expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful world word. So there is nothing that is arbitrary about Jesus and there is nothing that you can chalk up to a personality quirk that does not reflect the heart of God the Father. We are given his word so that we can know him better. And in our proximity to the word, Holy Spirit can take that truth and turn it to revelation in our lives. And he sanctifies us by that. So in light of this, I'd like to read you um, a passage of scripture that I'm returning to recently. This is Philippians 3. I'm gonna read verses seven through 16, because this sucker does not return void. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them, and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now, so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. My passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience the fullness, oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. I admit, and this is Paul, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. 
I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. So I keep returning to this passage, I think because of the fullness of relationship with Jesus Christ that I hear in it. And I'm really like excited about that. And I'm kind of like tantalized by that. And I want that. And so as frustrating and as discouraging as it has been to stand where I was a year ago and then like to exist in different parts of this year and this past weekend and say, I feel totally empty and I have nothing to give. Like I legitimately am finding simultaneous reason to rejoice in that because those desires to seek the Lord's face are not a product of Avery Pats. They are not. They are a product of the Holy Spirit working in me. So even the realization that I don't have enough and that I don't know enough is a gift from the Lord. And my longing to experience more than just these tastes and this dim looking glass is the Lord being faithful to me. And even in this moment, he's redeeming me more into the image of his son. So I am not called to greatness and you are not called to greatness, we're called to faithfulness. And the Lord says, the Lord God who does not lie says that we can boast on our weaknesses because Christ's power legitimately rests on me in them. So I can no more compromise the Lord's glory in my weakness than I can in my strength. He will not yield his glory to another. He's taken care of that. I'm not going to mess it up. So rather than be caught up in my own inadequacy, I can be caught up in his overabundance. My testimony to the Lord's faithfulness is that even now, when I feel like the Lord is silent, he is working in me and he is revealing himself to me to, more, to know him more deeply. Eternal life is this, that we know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So I'd like to close with some scripture and then a prayer as hope and an encouragement and a call to both of these things. This is Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. This is what the Lord says, let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that he understands me and knows me and that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Father, you are faithful when we are anything but and you are good to us when we don't deserve it. Um, and you will never, ever take your presence from us. We are your children. So I pray, Lord, that if there is anyone here who struggles like I am, that you would give yourself in fullness and abundance to them. Give them a daughter's share, Lord, a son's share. They are not next door neighbors. They are your children. I pray that you would reveal yourself to us as such. I thank you that even in silence, you are faithful and you are good. I pray that you would open our eyes to see that. I thank you for your love of us. I pray boldly that you would do all of these things and more in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.